0: Good morning, everyone. Great to see you all. That was fun. Men's ensemble kicking us up a few heartbeats. That was a great, great time. Uh, Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, Worship band always does such a great job, so uh, just thank them if we would. Thanks, you guys. That was fantastic. All right. Well, we're moving along in the story of God's grace in the life of Abraham, and as, as we come to chapter 21... Uh, What we're going to see this week is that there are several different episodes, uh, and as we look at them, we try and find a a common theme that binds them all together. And the common theme that binds all these episodes together is that God fulfills his promises. Uh, God fulfills his promises. So you remember back in Genesis chapter 12 that, that God promised Abraham land, seed, and blessing. And in this chapter we're going to see, uh, in each of these episodes, some particular uh, piece of that blessing in God's uh, grace in the life of Abraham. So we'll see the promise of the heir fulfilled in verses 1-7. to Isaac will be born. And then uh, kind of the same episode, but two separate blessings. We're going to see protection uh, for the heir, Isaac, because of the threat that Ishmael poses, but yet provision for Ishmael because God blesses who uh, Abraham blesses. And then finally, we will see uh, a pledge in the land, uh, as Abraham uh, has a, a bit of a claim of ownership on a well, and that's uh, the bit of his stake that he will have in, in, the, uh, in the land. So let's look at the first episode first. We'll look at the promise of the heir, and we'll read verses 1 through 7. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Well, God does what he says, right? Uh, Finally, after 25 years of the child of this promise, he's finally born. Uh, And and in the New American Standard, it says that that, uh, God took note of Sarah uh, your version may say that God visited Sarah. Uh, the Hebrew word is pakad, and it means to visit, but, but it tends to mean a, a divine visitation for the purpose of some kind of divine blessing uh, in someone's life. And so we see this word used uh, several times in the Old Testament. For example, it's used in Ruth chapter 1, verse 6, where Naomi says that, that she's going to return to Bethlehem because she had heard that God had visited his people there for the purpose of bringing them bread. Uh, in Genesis chapter 50, uh, God promises that after the uh, Israelites have been in Egyptian captivity for uh, some time that God would visit them and then he would return them to uh, or bring them into the promised land. And in Jeremiah 29, uh, speaking of the Babylonian exile, uh, God says that after you have served these 70 years in Babylon, I will visit you and I will return you to the land. So this word pakad, uh interesting, there are other Hebrew words that could be used for the word visit, but this word is, is God's visitation for the purpose of divine blessing, for the purpose of, of doing good uh, most often to these people of Israel, and even uh, for the purpose of changing Israel's destiny. And the birth of Isaac changed Israel's destiny, right? The heir had been born, and now this promise of land, seed, and blessing can be fulfilled because there is an heir. So praise God, the heir is finally born uh, after all these years. And we see God's faithfulness emphasized in these few verses, right? Just in verse 1 and 2 alone, we see uh, that, that uh, God uh, gave this heir Uh, as he had promised, right? It was as he had said, it was as he had promised, it was as he had spoken, right? Three times in two verses, God's faithfulness emphasized. And God's timing also emphasized, right? It happened at the appointed time, in Abraham's old age, when he was 100 years old. So we have had chapters where we have Sarah and we have Abraham uh, planning to do God's will for him, right? But, but Abraham's impatience and Sarah's schemes didn't speed up God one bit, not, not even a minute, right? He waited 25 years until Abraham was 100 years old. That was when God was going to fulfill this promise. So God can be trusted to fulfill his promises. Uh, we have to trust his timing. Notice Abraham's response. It's the response of obedience, right? Two things here. Uh, God told him to name this child Isaac. Abraham could have named him whatever he wanted to, but he named the child Isaac in obedience to God. And the second thing that he does is that he circumcises the child on the eighth day according to this uh, covenant of circumcision that God had given to Abraham in chapter 17. So we see uh, Abraham's obedience to God's command uh, emphasized here. We also see Sarah's response, all right. Sarah's response was a response of, of utter joy, uh, sheer delight, complete disbelief. Uh, Molly and I went through infertility, as I think I've told some of you in the past, and and, and uh, we were told at one point in our lives that we had less than a 5% chance of ever having children and that even that window was closing rapidly. So. Uh, we had to obey lots of doctors' orders, and Molly went through painful uh, procedure after painful procedure, uh, and still uh, nothing happened and that was a, a time of uh, very profound sadness and a lot of tears at that time. Uh, but then, as you know, it happened, right? Uh, it happened for us and, and and so God God just gave us this amazing gift of grace uh, when he gave us, when he gave us Allison. Uh, When we found out she was pregnant, uh, I can imagine that our reaction must have been much like Sarah's reaction, right? Just utter disbelief, complete joy after so many years thinking that uh, it wasn't gonna happen, and then God in his grace gave us this. Uh, This is Allison when she was five hours old, and and the delight and the joy that you experience, anybody uh, who has experienced that, it's just an incredible joy and delight. Uh, And when God gave us Brian, he was just showing off at that point in time, uh, showing that he can do uh, great and amazing things and that's what God does right uh, and so you know Sarah rejoice because God makes the impossible Possible uh, that's what God does. That, that's what God does and so uh, as we think about uh, God and and Sarah and Abraham and the time spent waiting What is it that you are waiting on? Uh, what are the things that God has promised you that still have not been fulfilled in your life uh, we, can, we can get discouraged, but, but we don't need to worry about when God will fulfill his promises. We only need to know that God will fulfill his promises, right? Because he's a faithful God, and we know that he will fulfill his promises. He knows the right time better than we do. His timing is always better than our timing. And God doesn't make us wait just because he likes to make us wait, right? Uh, there, there is a purpose in the waiting. God, God wants us to learn something in the waiting. Or maybe we're just not ready for whatever the promise is that, that that he has promised to give us, but we're we're not ready to receive it yet. So uh, when we went through this infertility problem, we, we learned several things. We learned, one, that God is in control, and, and there's nothing we can do to change that. And another thing that we learned is that uh, we have to accept God's will. Uh, we didn't know if it was God's will for us to have children or not. Uh, And and we had come to the point, difficult as it was, that that we we said to ourselves, God, if this is your will, um, we're just going to have to learn to accept this. But but we also learned uh, that a 5% chance, humanly speaking, is no hurdle at all. It's nothing at all for God to overcome. He laughs at 5% human chances, right? And and he gives us the incredible blessings that, that humanly speaking, we might never think we could have. So you may be going through something right now that you think humanly speaking Uh, There's no chance that this could ever happen, but we serve a big God, and a big God can solve big problems uh, with a breath of his mouth if he so chooses. And so uh, don't give up. Uh, God God, uh, has a plan. He's given you a promise. He will fulfill it. Well, God fulfilled this seed promise to Abraham, but it wasn't very long before the seed promise was threatened itself by the presence of Ishmael. So let's see what God does with Ishmael. God protects the heir. Uh, let's read verses 8 through 13. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that uh, that Isaac was weaned. Now Sarah, the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking. Therefore she said to Abraham, Drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son. This matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her, for through Isaac your descendants shall be named. And the son of the maid I will make a great nation also, because he is also your descendant. Well, weaning happened at about age two to three. So Isaac is two or three years old at this point, and, and so that would make Ishmael about 15 or 16 years old because Ishmael was 13 uh, when, when uh, Isaac was born. And so uh, we, we, we come to this part where, where there's the weaning, and at the weaning there's usually a feast because infant mortality was high. And so we have a celebration when we get to weaning because that's a milestone in a child's life. And Abraham, as a man of great means, he threw a great feast. And so we, we have at this feast, we, we have uh, Ishmael mocking Isaac. Uh, your, ver- your version may say scorning or, or teasing or something like that. Uh, the word can have a lot of different meanings. It, it can mean uh, to abuse, uh, physical, even sexual abuse, the, the word can mean. It can mean to scoff. It can mean to mock. It can mean to tease, like uh, you know messing with a plaything uh, something uh, well beneath you. Well, we don't know exactly what it was, but whatever it was, Sarah saw it, and she wasn't having any of it, right? I mean, if you have seen your wife or your mother around uh, around your child uh, being teased or abused, you see, like, full metal commando mama bear come out, right? Uh, she completely changes from what she was, and the claws come out, and she protects her cubs to the death. And so that's what Sarah does here, and she says, I will not have this maid in my house. You... Abraham cast her out cast out uh, this maid and so some of your versions may say that she's called he, he she calls uh, Hagar a slave uh, in this in this particular uh, chapter and it's interesting because in chapter 16 when uh, Sarah wants to uh, Abraham to have children with Hagar she's a maid uh, but now that, that she's an inconvenience she becomes a slave right she gets demoted and, and Ishmael is the son of this slave woman, right? She doesn't, he doesn't even get a name. Uh, he's just son of the slave woman, and so they all have to go. Uh, well, Abraham, you can imagine uh, his distress over this because Sarah is doing what is a natural response, right? When you have sin in your life and when your sin has caused a mess in your life, you want God to take it away, right? And Sarah she got a better deal. Uh, God gave her a better deal. The, the the deal was in her mind, the deal was Ishmael. Her better deal was Isaac. And now now that she realizes that God's deal is a better deal than the scheme that she came up with, she wants God to just erase all the mess that she created with her own particular scheme. And God doesn't often do that, right? Sometimes we have to suffer the consequences of the mess we make by our sin. Uh, and Abraham and Sarah, they're going to they're going to have to suffer some consequences for this and and the particular consequence from Abraham's perspective is he's torn, right? He, he's torn between this son that he loves uh, and this wife who he, he's married and lived with for all these years and they're at odds with each other. Uh, so he's distressed by this. And even though he loved Ishmael, Ishmael is not the child of the promise. Uh, and so he's got this very difficult decision to make. And, and how conflicted Abraham must have been. Can, can you imagine? being in this position where, where your wife says, send this son of yours away, knowing that you'll probably never see him again. Uh, and how, how, how wonderful it would be, like if every time we were conflicted, God parted the clouds and said, I know you're having trouble with this decision, here's what you should do. God doesn't often do that, but he does that for Abraham here. He says, don't, don't be worried, uh, don't be distressed. I know you love this son, uh, but listen to your wife, Sarah, send the son away, I will protect him, I will make him a great nation too. And how it must have broken Abraham's heart to do this, but yet he understands and he trusts that God will in fact protect Ishmael because he has promised that he would make a great nation out of Ishmael. And so he says, God says, send away the son of the maid, and I will bless him because he is Abraham's descendant. God doesn't even call Ishmael by name either. Uh, But because he is Abraham's descendant and God will bless who Abraham blesses, God is going to bless Ishmael and he's going to make a great nation out of him too because he's Abraham's descendant. And then he's going to have to uh, make some provision for Ishmael uh, because Ishmael is going to be now sent off and wandering around in the desert. So let's take a look at how God provides uh, uh, for Ishmael As well. We'll read verses, um, what are we up to here? 14 to 21. Uh, So Abraham arose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder, and gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went down and sat opposite him, about a bowshot away, for she said, Do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. God heard the lad crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin of water and gave the lad a drink. God was with the lad and he grew, and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Well, God promised to make provision for Ishmael, and he's going to make provision for Ishmael here. And it seems like uh, Abraham could have spared a little bit more than a a bit of bread and maybe a skin of water to send Ishmael and Hagar off into the desert on their own. Uh, That seems a little bit cruel. But remember that it's God who just said that he would provide for Ishmael and Hagar and that he would make a great uh, uh, nation out of Ishmael. So it didn't depend on what Abraham gave to Ishmael and Hagar, it depended on God. And it depended on God to fulfill his promises. And and so that's what he's going to do here. Uh, So giving them a little bit of bread and water may seem cruel to us, but I really think that it's a testament to Abraham's growing faith in God, that he trusted that God would provide for uh, Ishmael and Hagar. And so he gives them enough to, to take them a couple of hours maybe, but it's gonna have to be God who provides for them. And that's what he does. And so it's not long before you have uh, Ishmael and Hagar just wandering around in this desert wasteland of Beersheba. It sounds like they're lost. Uh, this This is what we're talking about. Remember, they were in Hebron. They journeyed up here to Gerar, and now he sent them away from this neighborhood, and they're down in this wilderness area of Beersheba, which is really just a desert wilderness. They're probably trying to make their way back to Egypt, which is down in this neighborhood, which is where Hagar is from. But the water runs out, right? Not long before they're on this journey, the water runs out Uh, and yet God promised, even Hagar, remember in chapter 16, God told Hagar directly, I will make a great nation out of this son, Ishmael. But Hagar doesn't have the same faith that Abraham does and when the water runs out, she puts Ishmael under a bush and, and goes away a distance so she doesn't have to watch her own son die. But then God rescued Ishmael and and he he, he provides water and he affirms that Ishmael would indeed be a great nation. Uh, God hadn't abandoned Ishmael. He, in fact, rescued Ishmael and he secured Ishmael's future, fulfilling his promises to Abraham. And then the narrator fast-forwards several years in verses 20 and 21 and he says uh, he is going to be, uh, he's going to live in this wilderness of Paran and so that's what he does and this is the wilderness of Paran how would you like to live there that is a desert wasteland there's nothing there Uh, this is what it looks like and so how do you survive in the wilderness of Paran because God promised to provide for Ishmael and so the narrator tells us that he was an archer so he had a bow and arrow and he would hunt food and he would find water where he could and this is reminiscent of what God said about this man Ishmael in chapter 16 he said he will be a wild donkey of a man, and he will live in the desert apart from his brothers. And we see the partial fulfillment of this. This is where he's going to live uh, in this, in, uh, as he grows older. And the full story of what becomes of Ishmael is going to be told in Genesis chapter 25, uh, which we'll get to in a few weeks. Well, you know, Paul used this story uh, between Ishmael and Isaac to make a point when he wrote the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians was written to an early New Testament church that Paul had founded, Uh, and after he had left this church, uh, some people came in whom he called the Judaizers, and the Judaizers were teaching that you had to believe in Jesus and keep the law in order to be saved. You had to do both. And so Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians to say to these Judaizers, look, you guys are jeopardizing your own salvation by holding on to the law. It's not the law and Jesus, it's just Jesus. That's what you have to believe. And so uh, Paul's trying to convince them, you need to be saved by, not by the law, but by Jesus. And so he used this story of Ishmael and Isaac to show that he wants them to abandon uh, adherence to the law as a means to salvation and trust in Jesus alone. And so so here's what Paul says from this chart. He says that uh, Hagar and Ishmael Hagar is the bondwoman, woman and, and, and she represents, she's a slave. Uh, Ishmael is born naturally uh, by the flesh. He represents the old covenant and the law and he represents slavery to the law. Whereas on the other hand, Sarah is the free woman and Isaac, he's born supernaturally. He's born by the spirit and he represents the new covenant and grace and freedom in Christ. So he contrasts Isaac and Ishmael. And then he says that uh, once the Messiah came, it's no longer necessary to adhere to the law as a means of salvation. And then Paul says that believers in Jesus as well have to cast out the law as a means of salvation because once the Messiah came, the law is no longer the means of salvation, Jesus is. We're not born into the law and slavery, we're born into grace. And so therefore, believers must like, Uh, like Abraham had to, cast out the bondwoman and her son. And the bondwoman and her son are a metaphor that Paul uses to describe slavery and the law. So just as Ishmael and Sarah had to cast out the bondwoman, so we as believers must cast out anything that would jeopardize our salvation and our spiritual growth. And and that's what's going on here. So so uh, Paul's point was that Just as Ishmael was a threat to the seed promise, so anything that jeopardizes our salvation and our spiritual growth is a threat to our own uh, salvation. And so, you know, the gospel is so simple, right? Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. That's it, that's the gospel. And how often we complicate it with a list of do's and don'ts, and things that we think we need to add to what Jesus did in order to be saved. And, and so uh, when, we, when we keep a list of things that we need to check off every day in order to, to think that God is pleased with us, that's legalism. That, that's not Jesus. The, Jesus is the salvation. It, it's not a list of rules. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not comparing yourself to someone else and saying, well, I'm a better person than that person. That's not salvation. Salvation is Jesus alone. You say the gospel again. Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. There's nothing about us in that. Did you hear anything about you or me in that? There's nothing about us in that. Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. So it's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done. So be free from the law. Be free from these legalistic structures that we can put on ourselves and feel so guilty about if we're not keeping. Believe in Jesus and be saved. He died for our sins and rose from the dead. Well, in this brief episode, uh, God proved faithful to Abraham and Hagar, fulfilling promises that he made to them uh, years ago. And he promised to bless those who bless Abraham, and that's what he does here. And he's going to do it again in this next episode with Abimelech. God is going to give Abraham a pledge in the land. So we'll read verses 22 to 34. Now it came about at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my offspring or with my posterity, but according to the kindness that I have shown you, you shall show to me and to the land in which you have sojourned. Abraham said, I swear it. But Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well of water which the servants of Abimelech had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor did I hear of it until today. Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Then Abraham set seven ewe lambs of flock by themselves. Abimelech said to Abraham, What do these seven ewe lambs mean which you have set by themselves? He said, you shall take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, so that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. Therefore, he called the place Beersheba, because there the two of them took an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba, and Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God and Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines for many days. Well, Abimelech was most likely a title and not a proper name. Uh, In fact, the word Melech means king. And we see the word Abimelech used uh, throughout Genesis. So there are probably different Abimelechs in the book of Genesis, but most scholars think that this Abimelech and the Abimelech from chapter 20 are the same Abimelech because one not very much time has passed since chapter twenty, probably about three or four years since just before Isaac was born, and now about three or four years later. Uh, and also because Abraham hasn't journeyed from the land, he's still in the same land uh, of Abimelech. Uh, verse twenty-two says it was about that time, and about that time is the same time that, that uh, Abraham sent Sarah, or, I'm sorry, uh, Ishmael, and uh, Hagar away. But back in chapter twenty when uh, Abraham had dealings with Abimelech, it was the seed promise that was in jeopardy, right? Because it was Sarah who had been taken into Abimelech's harem. But here in chapter 21, we, we have an issue with the land promise because they are having a dispute about this certain well over which Abraham says that, that he owns. And so uh, Abraham gives Abimelech these seven ewe lambs and Abimelech says, well, what does this mean? And Abraham says, well, this is a witness that I in fact dug this well. And Abimelech accepts Abraham's testimony, and they, 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 they strike this covenant at this place called Beersheba, which means well of the oath, or well of seven. Uh, beer is the Hebrew word for well, and the same word in Hebrew, Sheba, is used for both oath and seven. So you have the well of the oath and the well of the seven, which both represent that this was an oath made in response to these seven lambs that were given for the well. Uh, so that's what the, the term Beersheba means. And so uh, Abimelech accepts his testimony and Abraham is gonna get to live peacefully in this land because he reconciled with Abimelech. And so uh, Abraham plants this tamarisk tree uh, right by this well. Uh, and this is what a tamarisk tree looks like and that's what a well looks like. That's not Abraham's well and Abraham's tamarisk tree, but that is a tamarisk tree and a well that you would see if you went uh, into, into that territory. And so Abraham plants this tree. It's in the middle of the desert, right? So, so Abraham is saying, God, I trust you that you're going to fulfill uh, my desire to remain in this land and that I have this water that I'm going to be able to give uh, to, to the tree. The tree was Abraham's statement that he intended to stay in the land and the well was God's statement to Abraham that I am providing you with this portion of land as a pledge, as a down payment to my promise that I'm going to give you all the land, you and your descendants, uh, in the future. Abraham's faith had grown in the few years since chapter 20. Remember back in chapter 20, uh, Abraham approaches Abimelech and he lies to Abimelech and he says, Sarah is my sister. But now he approaches Abimelech as a peer and he approaches Abimelech uh, asserting his rights that he never would have done back in chapter 20 because things have changed. Abraham recognizes that he's the child of God and that God is able to fulfill his promises. And so the birth of Isaac changed everything for Abraham and his faith. God provided this child uh, when, when, when he was 100 years old and when Sarah's womb was dead. God can do amazing things. And so, and so Abraham trusts God now so that when God says to Abraham, send away the boy Ishmael and I will make him a great nation, Abraham can send him away, and he trusts that God will make him a great nation. And when he comes to Abimelech, he doesn't fear for his life. He believes that that, Abraham, that God can, can protect him, and so he deals with him uh, as a peer. And so he's able to do all these things. And so now he's got the child, now he's got a stake in the land, but does he really trust God? And we're going to answer that question when we get to chapter 22 next week. Um, he had all he could want, but, but the test is coming, right? Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that next week. I could easily get ahead of myself here and, and start talking about that, because it's such a great story. Uh, but, but let's think about what we can learn this week. Uh, what is it that God would have for us? Uh, three statements beginning with, when we trust God. When we trust God, we acknowledge that God's promises are sure, and His timing is perfect. It was not Abraham and Sarah's will that they wait 25 years for the birth of this child, right? But God had a purpose in the waiting. Uh, He used this time to strengthen their faith. Look at what Romans uh, chapter 4, 19 to 21 says about Abraham. It says, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb yet with respect to the promise of god he did not waver in unbelief but grew strong in faith giving glory to god and being fully assured that what god had promised he was also able to perform is that an incredible testimony about a person's faith i mean i would love to be able to have it said about me that my faith was like that it's just amazing and do you see here how god's timing is perfect his timing is perfect because he had a purpose in their waiting, and their purpose was that one, they would grow strong in their faith, and two, that they would give glory to God. And Abraham did both of these things, and this is God's will for us in the waiting too. He has never failed us, even though we think that he is maybe we think that he has failed us, or because he hasn't fulfilled some promise that he's made to us. He has not failed us. He has something for us in our waiting. So allow God to strengthen your faith as you wait and give glory to him while you wait. So when we, when we trust God, we acknowledge that God's promises are sure and his timing is perfect. Second, when we trust God, we will allow God's will to be done in our lives. It was not God's uh, will that Abraham have Ishmael, right? And part of the cost was the pain that had caused Abraham to have to send Ishmael away. Uh, and the rest of the cost was the, the hostility that is, has existed between the children of Ishmael and the children of Isaac, uh, even to this day. I'm sure it was hard for Abraham to send Ishmael away. And In fact, I'm sure hard doesn't even begin to approach what it was like for Abraham to send Ishmael away. And yet, God sometimes asks us to do a hard thing for a greater good. So what's God asking you to do in your life? That's hard. Uh, Is he asking you to do a hard thing now? Trust God. Trust God with it. Know that he is able to overcome whatever obstacles there are, and trust God that he's going to see you through the difficulty of whatever the hard thing that he's asking you to do. And finally, when we trust God, we will live peaceably among our neighbors. Abraham and Abimelech did not share faith in the same God, and yet, that didn't stop Abraham from sojourning in Abimelech's land and learning to live peacefully among the, those people. And as Abraham's faith grew, he was able to be a better witness to Abimelech uh, for God. Remember, Abimelech acknowledged that God was with Abraham and all that he did. So that's progress for Abimelech. This is a heathen, this is a pagan, and yet he's now acknowledging God. And, and who knows what became of, of Abimelech and, and Abraham's testimony in his life. But Romans 12 says, as much as it depends on us, live peaceably among your neighbors. And so God wants us to do that. He wants us to live peaceably. Why? Because we will never win people to Christ by hostility. We will win people to Christ by our love. And so live peaceably among your neighbors, uh, even if you don't agree with them on their theology or their morals or whatever else, live peaceably among them because in that way, we get to be a witness uh, to Christ. Remember, God fulfills his promises. Resolve to trust him. Resolve to allow his will to be done in in, in your life. Uh, Resolve to live peaceably among your neighbors and will be better witnesses for Christ. Remember, God told Abraham, uh, be a blessing to the nations, and he wants that for us too. And and as we do these things, we will be a witness for Christ and people will see our love for Christ and and hopefully they'll find something attractive in us uh, that will help them come to know the Lord Jesus Christ like we do. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you uh, for this chapter in which you show the various ways in which you can bless and that it's not by our timing and it's not by our desires to have our prayers uh, fulfilled immediately that you work, Lord. You work when you work, how you work, and for reasons known to you. Lord, help us to accept these things. Help us to know how great you are, how powerful you are, and and how trustworthy you are to fulfill the promises that you give to us. You promised Abraham land, seed, and blessing. You've promised us things too, and we are trusting you, God, to fulfill those promises. The biggest promise that you made to us is that we will have everlasting life when we believe in your son. And Lord, we know that this is true. We look forward to the day when we will see him face to face. We thank you for this amazing story of God's grace in the life of Abraham. And we pray it in Jesus' matchless name. Amen.